On this week's show, I am filling in for Sean while he is out on vacation, but we've got plenty to talk about, including Nope's box office results, a ton of trailers, including some out of Comic-Con, and you will not want to miss our discussion on the first trailer for Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 223 of Real Blend, a podcast that is still covering Comic-Con. That one is for Sean and Sean only. Um, and I, and I, my, my joke this week is, uh, is directed at Sean because he's not here to tell it. Uh, he is on vacation, enjoying some time off after covering Comic-Con, which is, which is always a nightmare. But I am joined, uh, as always, by Jake Hamilton. How are you doing, sir? I've got a question. When... All of us miss the show. Do we get a joke dedicated? To, like, have I missed like Jake related yeah. jokes when I'm gone? So. No, it was more like I'm doing Sean's job. So it felt more relevant to, to do a, a joke. Sean's for Sean. got the easiest job on this show. He really doesn't. I do have a lot of respect <laughs> for, for how he's able to just sort of keep us moving. I mean, I'm there to, you know, I mean, I'm there to keep us on track, but he, 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 seem, he makes it feel seamless uh, most of the time, <laughs> most of the time. Um, but also here, as always. Kevin McCarthy, how are you doing, sir? Gabe, Jacob, good to see Looking you guys. very dapper, I might add. Again, I tell you this every time, and it's the truth. When I run out of clothes to wear, I wear my black shirt you and black, black suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks because good. I, I was I, saying, I, and that's, I don't, if it's anything like whenever I wear all black at work, I feel like I get the most comments on like, yeah. oh, look at Jake in all black. So like, yeah. it's, I feel like it's funny that whenever you run out, this is really great for people that are just listening to the audio. Hey, I yeah, love a good um, excuse to have them come over yeah. and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. YouTube. Oh, there we go. There's our segue right There's there. There's our segue. Uh, I will say uh, the, the Comic-Con was a joke for Sean, but this podcast will be covering a little bit of Comic-Con on this week's show. Um, we're going to talk about Nope's box office and some of the discussions surrounding that. We have a ton of trailers to talk about, um, including some from Comic-Con last week. I promise we are not going to rehash Comic-Con by the time you're listening to this Comic-Con has came and went, and we're wondering what they're going to do next year by this point, I'm sure. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff there that we do want to touch on. But before we get there, 
Um, I will give you the usual rigmarole that if you are watching on YouTube, be sure to head down to the comments. Let us know how you like the show. Hit subscribe. Turn on your notifications. All those beautiful things. If you're listening to us um, in audio form, check the description. Um, I got a link to the YouTube channel there where you can join us. Um, and of course, we are available wherever you do get your podcasts. Um, and if you're interested in Riblin Premium, uh, our premium in quotes because it's it's very loose and fun um, feed find that in the description as well but i do want to mention up top uh that it's a giveaway week for the blend game later in this show we are playing hashtag mystery blend and the lovely folks at movies anywhere have um, given us five codes to give away uh, with movie packs uh, that include the new bob's burgers movie um the nice guys and get out uh so so stick around if you're listening to this and you haven't submitted yet uh you can do so by i want to say 1 p.m eastern on the Friday that this episode drops before I pull winners. So you still have time if you're if you're an early adopter to this show. And I'd also like to say, if you're wondering what the hell Bob's Burgers has to like, Bob's Burgers is a murder a mystery. mystery, believe it or mystery. not. If you haven't seen it and you're wondering what the hell yes. Bob's Burgers is doing in the mystery sort of, you know, umbrella, it's it fits. Absolutely. So if you want to if you want a chance to, to win one of those codes, um, use hashtag mystery blend on Twitter um, or in the comment section of this YouTube video, or you can send us an email uh, with that in the subject line and that'll that'll enter you and i'll i'll get your message and then we'll randomly pick you from there should we get started boys huh let's no go. interview this week let's we're gonna dive right in um jordan peele joined us last week to talk about his film nope i think all three of us loved it and uh i think it did pretty well opened up at the box office domestic only 44 million dollars but what was interesting um was the discussion around that number i think going into the weekend uh people were putting it around the 45 to 50 sort of expectation but because Us was, um, I forget what Us was projected to get, but it pretty much almost like doubled it, its expectation. Yes. Yeah. Um, I but think that was people. such an anomaly. People were for some reason like thinking that would happen again, which seems right. unfair. And so there were, there was kind of a split between some folks who thought the 44 million was disappointing. And then I think the three of us are all in the camp of it's not. I know Sean, Sean who's not here to, to defend himself, or maybe he's changed his mind. Um, I know he had mentioned in the text thread that that he thought that was disappointing. So I, it's a but bit he also of thought the movie was disappointing, and I feel like those two maybe. opinions go hand in hand. Oh, that's interesting. So yes, Jake, go ahead and kick off. How what your thoughts on the forty four million and, I, you know, uh, and what that means for original entertainment? It's it's funny because I feel like um, I don't know if you guys remember, but Kevin and I got into such a heated debate about us um and and the yeah. final act and our thoughts on it but it's so interesting i feel like he and i are, are step for step uh on the same page and and i think kevin would agree with me when i would say a 44 million dollar opening on a 68 million dollar budget is a great opening it is uh the biggest opening for an original ip not an ip an original film not based on an ip um since the last jordan peele film right. and yes us did massive astronomical numbers but that is far and away an anomaly that we cannot base future. I mean, you have to look at other examples like this, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Elvis, you know, like like movies that are targeted at adults, um, specifically ones that are like like R rated. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I believe, had like a 41, 42 million dollar opening. Was, I think it was that, close. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is a much more accurate comparison when you're um, when you're you know when you're beating quentin tarantino with your third yes. film it's pretty you're doing all when right you're, Ke- when you're beating quentin tarantino leonardo dicaprio and brad <laughs> well, Pitt yeah, yeah, with no your less. third film kev um, a question for you do you think that the the sort of us overachieving is a product of the hype around get out 
Yeah. And and that Nope's sort of kind of nailing expectations on the head is because us was kind of split. Like there, it didn't have it didn't bring in the wave that that Get Out brought to us. Yeah. And weirdly enough, I and I, I could have this wrong and someone could double check. I believe us and Get Out have the literal exact worldwide box office total. Um, I think you're right, road. actually. I do seem to remember That's interesting. seeing it's a, that. I'll look at that. Weird. Like it's weirdly uh, the same. Um but to Jake's point, in terms of us, uh, us is not a fair comparison in terms of box office because Get Out was such a massive deal. He won the Academy Award for screenwriting. That movie was received well received by everybody. I think Gabe made a great point that about us being a little bit more on the divisive side. So it may have like people going into us may have been disappointed if they were expecting something on the level of Get Out, even though I think Us is incredible. I think all three of his films are incredible. I think they're all classics, in my personal opinion. Um, And I've seen uh, Us and Get Out multiple times, and they are equally rewarding every single time. But in terms of the box office, what's fascinating about this is is that idea that people thought this was going to open to where Us opened. And I don't think any projections ever had it even near the no. us opening. Um, also, there's a couple things that need to be stated here. I, you know, as Jake said, it's the, it's the biggest opening in the past two and a half years for an original film. Um, like we're That's talking the huge like, point. Original right. film is important in our, right. in our culture and, and, this and sort is, of with the box office at this yeah. point. And this is not a superhero film. It's not based on a book. It's not a prequel sequel. Also, I was texting you guys earlier. Look at Elvis, for example. Elvis is an interesting example to me because that movie opened to 31 million. I would argue Elvis is more well known to the to the world than Nope is. And I would argue that uh, Elvis opening at 31 and Jordan's film opening at 44 does show you the power of Peel's name and kind of what this film is bringing to the to, to the world. And everybody's just curious what he's going to do, because it's always interesting. And like Jake and I were talking about this after we saw Nope, we had no idea where that movie was going while you were watching it. And it's kind of like when was the last time you you know, you, you right. felt like that. I mean, like, well, I'm watching Elvis. I, and I get that Baz puts his style into it. And it's I, a different and I, type I, I of movie. That yeah. film. Right. But, but my point being is that I knew where Elvis was going you know, and then just because of the nature of the story and him passing away and, and the way that we know he did. So, and to, and to but, further your point, that's kind of the case of like a lot of blockbusters. He said, like, right. that's why we're putting the emphasis on it, how original it is because a lot of blockbusters, you yeah. kind of know where they're going. And it's important. Like, like that's the thing is like these box office takes about the film being a disappointing it, to me, it, it's just detrimental to the cause of the business because it's not disappointing. The movie made a really good amount of money and it's an, an original film, as we mentioned. But at the same time, you know, people expecting it to come off the heels of us. I mean, you're talking Get Out was was beyond belief, huge film. Like it was it was part of it was a cultural moment. Like it was a big moment in terms of just not just movies, but just in general. Everyone talked about Get Out. There were like memes and like bits that were being done about it. And like it was a huge phenomenal sensation or or, a phenomenon. The other thing I want to mention is that we're still in the middle of a pandemic and I'm not using that excuse in terms of box office, but we've we've all seen how well Top Gun did and Doctor Strange and all these films have been doing really well. Um, but for an original film, and Peel has said this kind of in some of his press prior to the movie coming out, which was I wrote a he wrote a film that he didn't really fully expect to make because he wrote it at a time where theaters, we weren't sure where the industry was going to. be. So he just kind of put something on page with the expectation of probably not making it. And he was lucky enough to make it. And, he, and obviously he had the right to make it because he's a phenomenal filmmaker. And I'm so happy they gave him all this money and the IMAX cameras and Hoyt Van Hoytem and to shoot it. Um, 
But for the film to come out on the heels of the pandemic that we're in now um, and be the biggest original opening in this two and a half year span to me is a huge win. And I, yeah. I, I don't I don't understand a single person's negative take on how the film was received. Now, divisiveness wise, critically, yes, people have been divisive on it, which has been interesting and it might not have the legs. Yeah, that but it also had, might so. be a little bit of recency bias whenever we have the likes of Top Gun and then the Marvel films. And like those are a different scale. Huge. That's a totally yeah. different set of expectations. So I think maybe maybe some people aren't really getting the full picture of like, um, right. uh, it's, never, it's never going to do a Thor Ragnarok or, a, right. you know. I mean, Go ahead, I'd also Jake. like to say, think that it's an unfair comparison between us and Nope, if only for the subject matter. Like us is yeah. inherently a home invasion slasher film, which yeah. are just more popular than alien movies. Like they just are. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people that whenever I would, you know, I'd tell them about us like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. I have to go see that. And it's like a lot of the marketing for us just seemed a little bit more appealing. Than, so, I mean, I got to be honest, even as someone whenever I first initially heard that Nope was going to be Jordan Peele's alien film, there was a part of me that went like, oh, really? He's like he's doing an alien movie. Oh, OK. Like, I just don't think that alien movies are as popular as the other two types of films that he's done. Yeah. Um, so I think that even that, even like the subject matter, extraterrestrials, like is is something that you have to get over. But we With, have to um, understand that we're living. I'm sorry, Gabe, but we're living in a time period where we're witnessing filmmakers that like I, I always think back to myself and go, all right, which filmmakers would I have been would I have been happy to be alive during? Right. And it's oh, I always go to Hitchcock. I wish I could have lived through Hitchcock's filmography been at those theaters and saw Psycho in in the theater. And I'm not and I'm not saying Jordan Peele is, is is on Hitchcock's level, though. I do think that Peele is one of the great directors of our time. Um, he I still has more movies to make, but he's yeah, made three great ones for sure. As, I mean, as, as he said yeah. online, he's right. He's not John Carpenter yet. Right. Well, get get I argue. I mean, get out, I think, is one of the greatest movies ever made. And I think one of the greatest scripts of all time. And I and well, has, voted had, what voted, voted number voted. one this century. Right. right. And so but in just in terms of this, uh, I, I'm I, I just feel like it's so cool that we get to be living during this time period. Like we get Nolan and we get Tarantino and we get Jordan Peele. And it's like, like, like going back to Hollywood, which is a great example. I'm glad you brought up once upon a time in Hollywood. Quentin Tarantino is arguably a bigger director than Jordan Peele. I don't think that's an argument. I think it's a yeah, fact. That, that's not arguable. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So again, like, more, more movies to make. <laughs> right. But for Tarantino to open up a film to 41 million or whatever, and then for Jordan Peele to open it to 44. Now, Quentin opened his movie during before the pandemic. That was right. just normal movie going, right? Like everybody. But what I think Nope hit really well was it hits a younger demographic. And I was reading sure. some of the statistics about Nope. And like, I think it was like a really big deal between like 18 to 34 year olds. And what's interesting about I think that that's Jordan Peele's market. Like, I think that's the we, right. you were you, we were comparing them to Elvis just for the recency sure. of it. But like that, that's the difference that this has from Elvis is Elvis, like sure is well known in that he's Elvis. But also sure. like, the people that care about that are probably. 100%. Much older than the people who are think that Jordan Peele is really interesting and 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 want to go see his. And my parents, even though Elvis is an IP, it's kind of IP, like in right. a way. Oh, it like is. It's when you're in the when you're in the when you're original. in the room pitching it, you're pitching it as if it's IP. You're, yeah. you're bringing up all those things. But Jake, what I was going to ask because uh, you mentioned the um, having being a little hesitant about him doing an alien movie before yeah. you got a chance to see it. I was recently reflecting on Nope and thinking like 
I'm officially kind of excited about anything he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Like if he wants to be like, oh, I, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z genre, or I'm going to do, I'm going to do a version of like a Agatha Christie mystery, you know, and, but I'm going to do it my way. Like with no, what for me, what Nope did was sort of um, more solidify his voice in a more well-rounded yeah. way than just the, obviously he's brilliant yeah. and it's clear that he's extremely thoughtful and he cares about what his stories mean. Not only what, they say, but you know, and how he tells them, but um, yeah, uh, after Nope, I'm, I'm like, give him a yeah. blank check. Let's no, see and what he and does. I'll, you know, if, if he announces project number four and if my initial gut reaction is like, oh, really, that's what you're doing. I'll think back to the fact sure. that I had a similar reaction for Nope and just go, hey, you yeah. know what? I mean, the the opening scene of Nope without saying what it was, I remember thinking, well, I have officially have no idea what the hell this movie is. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I know, I'm, right? I'm just, I'm just, I'm along for the ride. By I kind of, I had kind of stayed away from the marketing. I hadn't even seen the second trailer when I got mm-hmm. to see Nope. So when oh, that so you didn't opened, see the saucer before the movie. No, I didn't see any of that. But oh, when, wow. I, but when the opening scene, I was like, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what this movie is about. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know, I don't well, know what's happening. What's interesting, like, and so Jake and I did the the interview with Peel for our for Real Blend, and neither of us had seen it in IMAX. Uh, at that time. So Peel talked a lot about what scenes were going to open up to the IMAX. So I, I went out on Thursday to see it in IMAX that for that reason, and also to see the Oppenheimer trailer. Oh, and let's uh, finish this. Angel, but that. then let's yeah. jump right into Oppenheimer after that. Hey, you know, I don't and, even think Kevin's excited about Oppenheimer though. I don't oh, know. Yeah. If he likes <laughs> no one. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll tell you when, right now, I'll, finish, I'll tell finish you where, your, finish yeah, your anecdote yeah. and let's, then let's talk uh, Oppenheimer. But seeing Nope on IMAX after Jordan explained it, and I went back and listened to his answer just because I was curious how he explained it to us. And what I loved about the Nope IMAX transitions were that they were not predictable. Like, and he says it in our interview, he says that I wanted you to not really know when they were going to hit. And then I also wanted you to get punched in the face by them when when they when they hit you. And like, that's why he opens the film. I mean, the, the entire Gordy scene, that whole arc of that story and that one moment with Stephen uh, Young's uh, younger self that's all IMAX and it is freaking absurdly disturbing in IMAX like, like that scene alone is already horrifying just the sound effects of what's going on in that moment um, but it's pretty wild and I just recommend the IMAX if you haven't seen it it is Hoyta Van Hoytema it is and they did some really cool stuff with night shots I have never seen night shots that looked like this um, and it was really yeah. kind of a cool yeah. Cool realm. So uh, definitely see it in IMAX if you can, and definitely check out our appeal interview because yes. Jake and I got some really cool stuff out of him. I will. I will drop a link uh, if you're watching on YouTube. Something will fly in. Yeah. Um, check out our interview from last week. But Kevin, you went to see the yeah. Oppenheimer trailer. One. When are we going to be able to see it? Not in IMAX. When? When does that usually end up online? I don't believe, and I, I could be wrong. Um, the Tenant one never ended up online. No. And okay. so, like, what, what I what I find interesting about. What I is love it, about Chris, Christopher Nolan is like Christopher Nolan is such a big deal that his teaser trailers are events <laughs> like a, a year out. Well, they're events minute, for us. They're events for, for us. us. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, no, there are a lot of people who actually sure, sure, are sure. like us in that sense that go out to watch these films. And Nolan, I mean, for people, this is pretty cool how they did this. So this is Nolan's first movie with Universal Pictures. So uh, Nope is a universal movie, obviously. And Chris Nolan, Christopher Nolan has been working with Warner Brothers for the majority of his career, except for Memento, I think, and following or maybe Insomnia. I don't remember the studios on those. Um, But in terms of the Oppenheimer trailer, it's not it's not part of the trailers. 
it's literally attached to the front of nope so like the you go through the entire slate of trailers all the movies that are coming out halloween kills etc then they go to like that nicole kidman video where she's in the theater watching the movies and they go to the imax thing heartbreak feels good in a place like right this. right and then you're dropped into the actual hard drive of nope and right before nope starts boom the nolan trailer hits and let me tell you right now, um, I have never seen 70 millimeter or 65 millimeter IMAX film black and white footage. So to see these shots of Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer, and it's funny because I'm reading the book right now and I'm, I'm like 100 or so pages into it. it's a really long book, um, very dense. Um, yeah, and I know he had, that Gabe has the book. But what's fascinating to me about the teaser that I saw for Oppenheimer is that it captures pretty much the tone of what I'm reading in a sense of like this triumphant and tragic aspect of Oppenheimer's life and kind of what happened and obviously building the atomic bomb and all these things. The trailer is super effective. And what they do is you come into the trailer. I think Emily Blunt's character starts off the trailer. She's playing Catherine, his wife. Um, and the trailers intercut with smoke and explosions. So like you're basically hearing these voices and then Chris Nolan obviously loves clocks and timing. So he he's counting down to the moment the movie's coming out. And then also you're Do you in- know, this is a stupid question, because whenever I saw it, I was wondering, I was like, is that the exact time? I think like, but so. then, like, it's going to be the same trailer for the next audience in my theater. So it can't be the exact time. <sighs> I don't know how I, don't, I feel like that's a stupid question to ask, but like, no, it's not a stupid it, it was question. so specific. Because so they, they like counted down until the movie comes out. Well, it says, well, now, theoretically, that that's what I'm theorizing. I think the countdown theoretically is to the tagline of the film, which is the day the, or the, the moment the world changed or the day the world changed or something uh, like that. The, okay. So I don't know what that timing means. I took it as because we are a year out from the right. release that it had to be a year countdown right. to the well, movie. That's, that's I why could I felt like it, that trailer was made for people who saw Nope on opening day. 100%. Like, so, so that if you saw it, went and saw it today, the timing wouldn't work out. But sure. it's interesting because like the timing is still effective because it's a clock and it's well, a bomb and before, like, before, and before we get lost that, in the weeds of, yeah. a, of a countdown clock uh, give me the vibes of the trailer let me know your thoughts yeah. uh, it's where are you also at? have a, also have a question for you to have it like with the book i have, I have a genuine question i haven't, I haven't uh, read the book yet. oh i've well, read well the first few the chapters sure i'll tell it's you heavy. this i can tell you that it's heavy i've held it i'll tell you this <laughs> i have been i have gone to theaters just to see nolan's teasers for years um and, and specifically prologues things he did for like dark knight rises and things like that um the prologues were always just events in themselves um but his teasers have always been cool and i'm going to compare this to the dunkirk one because remember the dunkirk teaser he releases them a year out and the dunkirk teaser ended on that incredible shot of the line of the soldiers mm-hmm. right and then the bomb and then the you know the sound coming into the shot and then looking up um this is in the same vein. It gives you literally a, a sense of now that I obviously I've seen Dunkirk and I saw that teaser, that teaser perfectly sets up the tone for what Dunkirk ended up becoming. Right. And so as I'm watching Oppenheimer, knowing Christopher Nolan's use of teaser trailers and kind of how he plays with them, I'm getting a sense of kind of where he's going with this. And this is this is again, I could be way off base. The movie could be completely different. It could just be a really good teaser, but I, I highly doubt it. The comedy. Um, what what I'm gathering from the way he's playing with this is it's going to be insanely immersive um, to a point. Well, who of, are you talking well, about? 
But I, but I say that because we're talking about a, a, essentially a biopic, right? We're talking about a, a, a story about a guy's life that really existed. Um, yeah. And we know what Dunkirk, he played with time, so he made it very Nolan. Well, he did that with Batman, too, though, right? Sure. True, true story. And, yeah, exactly. And, and Tenet and, and Memento, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, Tenet, joking, just, but, Tenet just hasn't happened yet. Right, it hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah, um, it's happening so, now in reverse. In terms of vibe, though, um, it's a beautiful trailer um, because it's so freaking intense and you're just intercutting between color footage of explosions and smoke and fire to this insanely beautiful, gorgeous black and white IMAX footage. I'm curious, and, does that yeah. give you a sense or do we know or does that give you a sense of how much of it is going to be black and white? Is it all going to be black and white or is is it going to be more of um, sort of like Schindler's List had like it uses color to sort of give like a I, an intensity to like a story moment? I feel, I I mean, it's it's like, I feel like, like no I, black and white movie can never do that again. Well, well, no, I agree. Well, I don't know way, that it would way, to that effect, but the way Schindler's List did it was obviously with the the red the red outfit yes. on the little girl. But but in terms of Oppenheimer, what I'm gathering, and I could be wrong, is that it's going to go back and forth. And okay. I think I, I my assumption, and if I'm Christopher Nolan, and, I, and I'm not obviously, and he's already made the movie, and he already has it probably in, in an assembly or whatever he's doing with it. If I'm Christopher Nolan, you open the movie with the with the explosion, with the bomb. And then you go back and then because what the trailer makes it seem like is the explosion and the bomb itself seem to be a theme throughout the dramatics of the story. even before the bomb would happen. So so from what I've read of the book and Kevin, I think you've read more than I have. um, It's very much that that moment, the bomb itself is is sort of like a a change. I would be surprised if like it's black and white before the bomb goes off and the film is in color after because the whole kind of story in the book and the way they tell it and sort of the tragedy of Oppenheimer is that he worked so hard to build this thing. I know, and he didn't want it. And, you know, like save the world, quote unquote, or whatever. And then whenever, you know... mankind had this power he spent the rest of his life trying to keep us from using it like and, that, and so it's that i wonder if that's how visually that's honestly how use that. that that is thematically what the trailer feels like okay, because cool. when, when well, you're I, lo- when, I think that's like, brilliant gabe did you not what? get the oh you went to it you went to uh you saw an opus screening i saw an opus screen got it IMAX. so last thing got i'll it. say this because i know because i want jake to speak on it too I, I just have a question for you guys wait jake have you seen the trailer yeah oh yeah okay okay because okay. because i so, went and saw nope uh on opening day as well Beautiful. all right then i want to get your thoughts too because i thought like, and for people listening to our show that haven't seen it, basically it opens. You're on a black and white hat of of Oppenheimer's, and it's like this beautiful IMAX shot. And then we're we're hearing voices from Emily Blunt. We're hearing voices from Robert Downey Jr. Um, and we're intercutting between again, as I mentioned, fire and then black and white footage of Oppenheimer. And it just gave me this sense of no one's going to play with time again. Obviously, and that's the question we were all wondering going into this movie: like, how is Nolan going to make? an Oppenheimer story. What's Nolan's version of this? And yeah, like, okay, so I'm, just, I'm gonna interject because that's, that's yeah, what cool. my question is. Cause like obviously we hear about Tenet or Dunkirk or or you know Interstellar and our my our imagination goes nuts in terms of like how Nolan can make this because a Nolan movie is special, right? Right. And a right. lot of times it's the big action set pieces that that really set his films apart this from is more everything else. Feels like. So I guess my question for for you guys is based on however much you have or haven't read, what is it that Nolan's going to be able to like if there's not a ton of action in this story aside from the bomb going off, what is it that he's going to do that's going to make this movie feel special to have that imprint of a film by Christopher Nolan on it? That's why I, that, that's what I'm explaining. Basically, 
so I'm going to use Dunkirk as an example because Dunkirk is a great example of this. So Dunkirk is a true story, obviously, right? And that, and that I personally didn't know a ton about. It. I knew about it historically, um, but the basic premise of Dunkirk is survival. I mean, there's they don't they don't win, they survive, and 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 that from from an arc perspective, that's your standard through line of the story. They're on you know they're on the beach. And, and, and these incredible civilians come to, to, to capture the, or to help them bring them home on their boats, right? That's kind of like, again, I'm simplifying it, but that's kind of like the concept of what I'm thinking. So Nolan goes, all right, how can I make this immersive and intense and do it my way? So then you do time zones, time shifts, right? So your beach stuff is one week, your air stuff is one hour, and your boat stuff is one day. And then you have this fully immersive experience as all the timelines come together giving you a perspective of what that may have been for the entire global aspect of that moment, global or, or the, the overarching idea of it. Right. So, because how do you, how do you bring people into a moment like that? If you have three aspects, the beach, the air and the boat, and how do you make it make sense? So I think he's going to play with time and kind of to Gabe's point, I think the bomb, the, the, the detonation, because remember there were, there were multiple things he was working on in his life before, you know, until this moment or, you know, so there are other things that I'm I'm assuming there could be plenty of intense sequences where he's testing things or trying things out. And I think um, not just the an explosion itself being like the the climax of it, but I do really feel that we're going to be playing with time. And, 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 and that's not really that's not really like a. But not you, thing to but say. But you kind of mean like, not like I think you, your larger point. It's not, is, it's, not, it's not like Tenet. It's not like Tenet plays with time. It's more about just trying to I manipulate our perception of of how the story right. is coming across. I, yeah. I think like I think we're going to be in a situation where because listen, we already know the ending to the story. We already know what happens to Oppenheimer. Yeah. We already know what happens. So I think Nolan's going to have to play with it in a way where we're going to be diving in and out of different sections. He might might play with things like Dunkirk, where maybe the bomb aspect of it becomes. A, a shorter time period and then it's interlaced in I don't know I don't know that don't he know. would do exactly Dunkirk because I, I feel like he I wouldn't want to uh, but I also I will say before we move on I also wouldn't mind if he just like doesn't like he's just like I'm just gonna make a really great telling of this story with with great performances and care about being compelling versus being yeah um you know uh sort of spectacle and, and, and in that sense then i would argue it but is almost borderline schindler's list like well I, we're like after a decade of big massive summer point. blockbusters I'm okay spielberg if, says i don't need to make raiders or et like yeah. the store this is just all i need to tell but he's also doing it on imax so there's no way he's not going to bring an immersive i mean if if captain imax to it but if but but i mean you could use you know no i know I, but i think I, there's but, i think there's still i i'm saying i would love him to take on the challenge of how do i make an intimate emotional funny. story on on imax and how do i make that imax uh uh matter or make sense or feel needed um, also do you I'm guys remember how how long dunkirk was dunkirk was like an hour 39 or something like that and i remember like asking him that at the press junket like you know he goes he goes for he goes, and, and this maybe could feed into the Oppenheimer discussion really which is interesting he goes people that found out I'm paraphrasing him people that found out that I was making a film about Dunkirk expected probably like a three-hour epic like an epic action you know story about these characters and he goes he goes but he kind of talked about it in a way where you can't you don't want to exhaust the audience you have to know when to pull in and pull out and you have to know when to let, let off the gas a bit and kind of let them breathe for a second before you pummel them with more action. Um, and I think while Dunkirk 
sounded like a movie that could have been a three hour world war, you know, a war film. Um, it was an hour 40 or whatever it was. So I think Oppenheimer on the grand scale of how big that story is, I could see him playing with that shorter time, like maybe under two hours. I don't know, but, but the, the, the style know. of photography they're using to shoot that movie that Hoyt Van Hoytum is using. And I don't know if it's the first IMAX black and white on, you know, those types of cameras. I think it might be, I could be wrong. It would make um, sense that it would be because before narrative, yeah. it was, it was all sort of color. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was all but, like uh, nature documentary stuff. There's which, no- there's no way this is not going to be Nolan-y, but it also is a lesser budget. Isn't it like a hundred million versus oh, like, I, I want to say, I know Dunkirk was maybe a hundred million, 150 I'm million. I'm seeing a hundred million. I don't know who's telling yeah. me this, but, but that's what Google is immediately getting. What a tenant, what a tenant cost. Uh, let's take a look. And that'll give you a little bit of a scope of where he's playing with here. Tenant 205. Right. So Damn. we're a hundred and five million less than tenant theoretically. So to gauge Which is point, still a lot, a hundred million dollars for a, for a <laughs> historical a biopic that's in yeah. black and white. Like, like <laughs> as far as scale goes, if he's just telling, you know, like I said, yeah. this historical drama, like a hundred million dollars is still pretty crazy. I will say this and I'll end on this. Christopher Nolan is uh, just remember this for a second, released a film about Dunkirk in the middle of the summer and it crushed in the United States. It wasn't yeah. even a United States story, you know, and we all latched on to it because it was Nolan. I just and wanna, I think while I, we're I, still talking thing, budget. OK, just one, one, one go more ahead, thing. Go ahead, go ahead. As I watched the Oppenheimer trailer I, and Jake, I'd like to get your your thoughts, too. It seems like it's going to be super intense and super in your face and super immersive and super like explosive. And, and I don't mean that no pun intended. It, it's more of just like, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a straightforward biopic. It seems like he's going to be playing. It also like, I will say as a fan of Christopher Nolan that like the second I saw the clock and I was like, Oh yeah, this is a Nolan movie. And like, I, I halfway expected like someone to lean in and be like, his wife is dead as well. <laughs> well, I, I well, then, and, and that, that is a, a, a theme that comes up in his films a lot, obviously, but, um, but go ahead, Gabe, on your, no, on, your close on this. So he's, he's spending reportedly a hundred million dollars on his historical biopic at wartime, potentially. Um, Steven Spielberg sent, spent 65 on Lincoln on his historical biopic at wartime wow. thing. So, you think 20 of that went to Daniel yeah, Day-Lewis, like, probably? You know, the inflation between uh, the Civil War and the, uh, the, the, the early <laughs> okay. 20th century is just on, insane. On that note, uh, these three historians Cha-cha-cha. are going to take a quick break. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we'll be back with, uh, we're going to talk a little I'm bit about that joke, by the way. That's great. We're not ready for Oppenheimer. Uh, oh, we'll I do- cannot. I cannot do that for a year. Yeah. Hey, we did it for Nope. And, you, and I was right. We weren't ready for Nope. You know we weren't. I felt pretty prepared. I was okay. I wasn't. All right. <laughs> We will. We'll be right back. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly, and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. 
If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And we are back, and uh, we're going to kick it off with uh, some news out of Comic-Con that we wanted to touch on. First of all, being the incredible trailer for uh, the Black Panther sequel that's finally headed our way. Um, who wants to kick off their thoughts on this trailer? Jake? I think that is one of the best trailers that the MCU has ever put out. I just thought everything about it was yeah. just pitch perfect. The tone um, starting out with um, the Bob Marley song transitioning into our cover of the Bob Marley song transitioning into Kendrick, who obviously has such a great history um, with the Black Panther films. Um, I, I really like the vibe. I like um, the recognition of what's happening. Um, obviously we don't really know what's going to happen. We all have different theories. We've been texting this morning as to what that last shot means. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's uh Shuri is, is going to end up being black, black Panther is my prediction. Um, I just feel like that last shot is a female in the black Panther suit. Um, but I gotta say it's the most excited I've been about a, um, Marvel project that wasn't Spider-Man because that's kind of cheating um, in a while. And I just think that that's it's just going to be a really I honestly just like it made me feel things which yeah. I really haven't felt for Marvel in a long time. And uh, it was kind of a nice reminder that I haven't entirely emotionally checked out. Like, I know I'm going to I know I talk a lot about how I'm just kind of done with the MCU other than just being a casual viewer these days. But like, it was nice to kind of be reminded like, okay, if they get the right director behind the right. camera and they, and they handle it right, it, it can, it can, it can hit me again. You mentioned the, the sort of being, being checked out and we're kind of, I feel like that's a lot of some of the vibe around the MCU mm -hmm. the last couple of years. And I saw some people talking about um, kind of how surprised sort of surprising it was to see when they announced the phases that we're going to kind of like jump through this current phase and into the next one so quickly. And the take that I saw that I kind of thought was great was basically it's like we're in this kind of weird COVID era. They've had to juggle a lot of stuff. Everyone's kind of like in this middle ground because they're trying to set up, you know, the multiverse stuff and it's not their best work, but it's interesting and it's fun. And we're starting to sort of wane and they're like, let's just get to a new phase. Let's, let's cut this on. off. And so we can get but to I, some but also, exciting I mean, so stuff. much of these phases and I know we're going to talk about She-Hulk, but so much of the fate, whenever they like put the phases up on the wall at Comic-Con, so many of the titles are Disney Plus series. And I I just don't care about the Disney Plus I think, series. I, I think, think that's that, OK. I think it's OK. I think it's a new era for Marvel. Like, I think after a decade, they've, a crappy got to, one? They've, they've got to do something. No, I just think after a decade, like like pop culture changes. You know, I think people have been for the last 10 years have been like, when is the Marvel thing going to fall off? Um, It's not that it's going to fall off, but like, I think this is them entering a new era where like we've champ we've we've run this industry for the last 10 years and now they're gonna do all these other side things that'll that'll get some people's interest and but you know the main the main storyline like like they're doing the whole um i think they announced a few animation projects that are like definitely not canon like they're before like the last 10 years marvel was like except for you know the the netflix weird thing which they finally started to fix 
everything's been like every story has to touch the other stories and they have to and it has to and we have to make it work. And it seems like now I think the multiverse is kind of an excuse for them to be like. Let's just tell stories with this IP and be less. I, I saw an it. interesting comparison and it's not me, so I don't want to t- take credit for it. And I forgive and forgive me for not knowing who tweeted this. But the comparison was that that the MCU is kind of like a restaurant now. Like you open a menu, you're not going to like everything on the menu. You pick some stuff, you, you skip some stuff. You don't ever try other yeah. things. So some things the Cheesecake for you Factory and, menu. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. And it's getting to the point, though. It's funny. Now you'd say Cheesecake Factory. My mind goes to Big Bang Theory. Um, but, uh, you know, when I, does it not? That, yeah, that's very true. That's very very true um but yeah i mean that's that's all i'll say other than like with the mcu i've gotten to a point honestly like star wars where i kind of accept that like maybe i'm just emotionally checked out right now and when something does come along that that shows me that i can feel again that i that my my cold stone heart has the ability to warm up for a second that's a pleasant surprise and like it'll happen probably for wakanda forever and then i'll kind of crawl back into my in my cave like Gollum. Kevin, uh, how how did you react to? Yeah, well, the 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 trailer is like it just kind of hits a lot of things that I love. So I'm huge Kendrick Lamar fan. Love Ryan. Are we going to get a soundtrack for him, like a full soundtrack again? They haven't. I I, I haven't seen anything announced. I don't see why not. I mean, obviously Kendrick just dropped um, uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, and he's going on tour. I'm actually seeing him next week. But he wrote he wrote Black Panther while he was on tour, right? But he produced it while he was on tour. Maybe that's what's going to happen because. He's going on tour. I would think for, by now it's almost done, right? It's yeah, done. or I don't know. Sometimes sound. I don't know. I mean, Ryan and him probably have been working. I, 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 ho- I, I hope so, I guess. I'm very hopeful. Same. But. And the Black Panther album was incredible, by the way. I, it's funny. Like, like when I Honestly, think it Kendrick, was my album of the year. Like, yeah, when I when I think of Kendrick Lamar, it's funny. I always go to, you know, a section 80 and you think about Pimba Butterfly and Good Kid, Mad City and um, Damn. And then now around the Big Steppers. But I always kind of leave out Black Panther. It's it is a Kendrick record. It's a it's a TDE record, and it's like um, I, I, I know there's a lot of collaborators on that album, but like yeah. I always, it, it is it is a Kendrick album. I think it is Kendrick. It's, it's a Kendrick. It's, it's a Kendrick album as like a right as sort of if you zoom out his sure. his work is just so like kind of. Um, meticulous Specific. you know yeah. like at, like once you get in the past, same like, way that like do you do you count the eight mile soundtrack as an eminem album <laughs> well it's more I mean, like like from like section 80 onwards kendrick's work is very intentional and like yeah. he creates these concept albums where black panther very much just feels like a fantastic and it has its concept the concept it's is different from movie. his normal records. but but a lot yeah. of him on it is him like doing hooks and like Sure. He's on it a lot more than I thought he was going to be when they said he was producing it. But but yeah. a lot of it is him like writing music for other people. Like the weekend shows up on Black Panther and he just he makes a weekend song with the weekend. Right. Versus and having him on a Kendrick song. And shout out to Baby Keem, uh, who's uh, I think Kendrick's cousin who's cousin, like yeah. on, on his new record, which is amazing. Hopefully he'll, he'll be in, included on the soundtrack. I mean, we're, we're hoping. And, and, and Kendrick, yeah. I don't see why you wouldn't bring my Kendrick only thought back. is is he like. It took a long time for us to get Mr. Morale. And my only thought is, was he working on that the whole time or whatever? And he kind of talks about that on the record of like what he's doing. But yeah, he opens um, the album with like, I've been, you know, I've been doing this for this many days. Prepare yourself for what's about to happen. Right. Um, So that's that's my only my only thought is maybe he just literally didn't have the time because he was worried about his own music, which is fair. Totally. Because like, and what makes me even more worried is they used all right. It wasn't Kendrick doing a new thing. You would think it would be Kendrick doing a new thing if he's writing a bunch of new stuff, but I don't know. Only one. I'm trying to remember if the Black Panther one trailer had new one of the new songs. I'll have to go back and listen to it. But in terms of in terms of uh, this trailer, um, 
obviously the transition, everything's going to be all right to, you know, to all right was is it's just a brilliant edit. And it's like mm-hmm. emotionally there's a whole arc just to that music piece in the trailer, like just the music is an arc um, in itself. And then um, someone asked me this the other day, like, are, are you worried at all about Wakanda forever without Bozeman? And I'm like, no. Now, and I'm, the reason why is because of Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Um, I just have so much. And, and again, I would obviously love for Chadwick to have been here to be course, in this movie. Of course, of course. But Goes without after, after what Ryan did on I mean, Fruitvale Station was the was my was my moment of like, oh, God, this guy's incredible. Well, like, it was this his is first movie. It was a brilliant yeah. filmmaker. Um, and then boom, then Creed was just just crushed it on Creed. First Creed's incredible. Um, there's wonders in that in that in some of those fight scenarios, which I think are some of the best wonders. I think Lena Sandgren shot that. I have to go back and look at that. It's like Damien's Damien's DP. Um, but going into this trailer, I was I had no concerns. I knew that Coogler was going to deliver, but the trailer exceeded expectations beyond belief. It was uh, I'm glad that we are acknowledging the T'Challa death in in the trailers i'm glad that that's kind of i think that's going to be how the film opens 100 percent, and i think it's important that they played with that aspect in the trailers because we all know that chadwick can't be in the film um and and we know that so it's like why not just address it right off the top like the chala the character died we don't know how he how the character dies and then now there's gonna be a new black panther and i think it was smart this is i don't mean for this to be an inappropriate question how how, or how did he die? Are they going to explain well, how the character died? I imagine that'll but happen. My, again, I have theories, and I and you guys, we 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 debated this. I I, I really think Michael B. Jordan is going to be back. I think that um, if you look I at, I don't think so. I just I, 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 don't, I don't think. Let, they let can. me let me explain. Let again, me I, I don't think Coogler would do that. Like I think I, mean, I think that ending was way too strong. Here's my thought. So but. Killmonger to me is the next to Thanos is my favorite villain in the MCU, and I don't my use favorite. the term. I don't like the term villain because I don't think of Killmonger as a villain, even though he does villainous things. Um, but Michael B. Jordan's performance in the first Black Panther film, I think, deserved an Academy Award. I thought he was brilliant. He should have won an Oscar for that. It was just incredible. Because for your, for a guy, for a character that has uh, tattoos all over his body of hundreds plus people that he's killed in his in his lifetime, for me to then engage with him emotionally, understand where he's coming from and have that arc at the end is incredible. My theory is, and I, and I, and I, oh, and this is even before Chadwick passed, was that Coogler shot that ending very specifically um, because you come out. And I know, and Gabe doesn't agree with me, but well, let me I'll, just yeah, get, I'll respond. I'll, I'll respond. Yeah. I'll, I'll get my point out, and then obviously you can rebut, and I'm, which I'm, and I'm probably wrong, but Coogler comes out on a very wide shot as as Killmonger falls, and I don't think there's a, I think there's a reason you do that. Now, emotionally and thematically, sure, when you're making the movie. Um, it's it's more effective. It's it's a it's a wide shot. It's a private moment between T'Challa and Killmonger. I think a close I, up on him dead isn't respectful enough for what that I, character I was going through. Yeah, agree a hundred percent. Though what that ends up giving you is a way to not really have Killmonger be dead. Uh, and and my point by that is like yes, we see him fall. We assume he dies. Um, I just I really feel like the Killmonger arc. And him becoming Black Panther just to me is kind of beautiful in itself because of what happened to Killmonger, what happened to him as a child, what happened to his childhood and kind of where he was and his right to the throne uh, and the bloodline, et cetera, et cetera. So I 
That to me makes thematic sense. Now, Shuri, I think, yes, she becomes Black yeah. Panther in the comics. I get that. It makes that makes sense as well. I think we might get two. I think Shuri and, and Killmonger are going to play with that. But I, I, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm just maybe I'm just wishful thinking because I really want to see Killmonger back. And I really want to see that 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 arc for him. Um, but I could be wrong. But that being said, the trailer is great. I'm very excited. It's emotional. They handled it beautifully. I honestly and again, you know, Chadwick, we all know that he shot Black Panther when he was sick, which is which is just you know, it's wild to even think about that. Um, but I do feel that when I watched the trailer for Wakanda Forever, it didn't feel Hollywood. It didn't feel cheap. It didn't feel like it was trying to tug on your heartstrings. It felt like a genuinely emotional, beautiful way to celebrate what Chadwick and the cast of Black Panther did with that first film. And to have this beautiful trailer to me that represents kind of like how everyone feels and what we're all going through outside of just Chadwick, but just in the world right now, we're all mourning and just in general. Yeah. Um, and I think the trailer really captures that. And I think it was a really smart, beautifully cut trailer that did not feel like cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have to respond to your Killmonger thing, though. Go on, ahead. On go, ahead. Go, ahead. Um, go ahead. I think there's no way in hell that's happening. And I love and respect you. And I don't that's know fine. either. Neither of us have seen that's this. Fine. But I think that's yeah. it's never going to happen. One. Okay. All right. One, it would just, I think it would be disappointing because, well, first of all, the, 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 the way you're talking about the shot, and I kind of interjected to say that, like, I think it's shot that way because it's more emotional that way. Sure. And yeah. it's much more respectful to that character, that character yeah. than to, you know, the traditional I agree villain with that. shot. Yeah. Um, but the way that that movie ends, and again, if we want to talk logistics of like the giant knife that's in his chest that he he very purposely pulls out to say, mm-hmm. I just want to die. And he pulls yeah. out and he's definitely going to die. Whatever. Let's sure. say you're in Wakanda and they have um, added, you know, tech stuff that could save him. Yeah. His final line is one of the most powerful. Like, it's like one of the, the reason didn't it get nominated to that script? Get but why would that line be be lose meaning if he lives? Because what he says, it's still is, a great line. No, no, it loses meaning because it means that Chadwick so? Boseman in his mo- in that moment betrayed him in that moment when they had the redemption. He goes back on it because because what he says is we could still save you. Chadwick's character says we could still save you. And he says, no, he right. said, bury me in the ocean like okay. my ancestors who jumped from the ships because they knew that dying, uh, I forget the exact line, but they said dying free, death was better than bondage. That's what he says. I understand what you're saying. Because he says, if you, if you save me, you're just going to put me in jail is what he says. He says, just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors. And so if he he were to go against that and then save him and then put him in jail, it's sort of just, it ruins the beauty of that moment. Um, what I will say is I agree with you that I want him to be in it. I want him okay. to come back because I love that character. And I think I've always said this, that I think he could return on the ancestral plane. Like we could see Shuri talking That's with smart. him about, about oh, uh, the Chalers. Yeah. Like, I 100% could see that like happening. That. And I think that that, I think the fact that he would ascend to that because I, there, there might be some sort of That's like cool. That's way a good to arc. solidify his redemption with that. Yeah. Um, but I just think, I don't think Kugler would do that to how powerful that moment was um, for the audience, for that character. And I just think that little thing, just to bring them back, just because, you know, <sighs> but, 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 could, it just doesn't feel like a Coogler move. And I don't think, but Marvel's I always thought in doing that. I always thought he'd come back even before, like even before Chadwick passed, 
I always thought that ending. That's fine. Didn't, I, I'm just didn't saying I, I, I never have, and I really strongly disagree. But I just wanted to you, say that. So wait, Jake, strongly disagree. I'll ask you guys straight up: Do you believe the ending of Black Panther one solidifies that Killmonger 100% dies? Based on the power of that moment, yes. Right? And it also just would feel like such a cheap surprise to bring him I back. I disagree with that. I don't I, I, I don't see the cheap aspect of that at all. I think it I think it would be. Remember, Killmonger is his story is devastating, like absolutely. That's why that de- that's why that movies one of the better ones they've ever made. I get I, that. I, I think it cheapens that entire story. Yeah. If I you, really if don't. You, I agree with you. I agree with your moment at the premiere. I agree with your urge shock moment. I agree like wanting that to happen because he is so good and it is such a good character. That's probably where it comes from is I, I just want I want him to come back because yeah. I really want to see I him. Would, I, see, I don't want him to come back because he was so good. Would you would you be fine with that ancestral plane stuff? Because that just to me, that feels That's like that cool. makes sense. That to me sounds like the best compromise because yeah. then you still get to have him back and you don't. And the yeah. serious stuff aside, as a film nerd. Uh, he's been in every one of Kugler's movies, right? And so I, right. I want him to pop up. You know, like, I have a um, yeah. a stupid question, and I don't I genuinely don't mean for this to be a disrespectful question. Um, but the ancestral plane stuff in the first film was so beautiful. It was just it was so well mm-hmm. done. Yeah, how do you how do you do that again without Chadwick being there? Well, I think I think I you're going to have to have Chadwick there. Not. Well, I don't know. I, I that is something where I'm not really interested in speculating. Okay, I don't, I'm, I'm happy, happy to, to see. see I don't mean do. for that to be a disrespectful question, no, 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 but like no, in terms they, of what the ancestral plane is, it's a good question because theoretically he would be there. You're not wrong because Ch- T'Challa's father was Black Panther. Yes, he visits his father on yes. the ancestral plane. Um, okay, so there's there's two things here that, that are interesting. One, um, and again, I'm, this is not a comparison. I'm just I'm just using this as a as an as a as a way to maybe figure this out fast and furious for example paul walker um you know they kept paul walker alive in the universe right so brian is still alive so they wrote around that in a way it, from what we can gather from the wakanda forever trailer they are t'challa is definitely yes. dead right so so i don't know i think they might have even come out and said that the beforehand I that they weren't gonna try to don't just- know how you would do that then that's a great question like i I, now now that i'm like it's not just that's not i don't think it's just i think it's it's a great question this is the point where i say again i i the catch all of like in ryan coogler i trust i I trust that he's gonna do what feels right depending on what they have i could see them saving that and what because i think for the audience um for the black panther audience and for for fans uh particularly for chadwick if that's like a thing that they save that they reveal that that he's in the film in that capacity somehow um i can see that being really powerful it's done right like who who's to say that they don't have you know yeah. footage I, that I still, exists that they yeah. can make that work then great that's how but they I, handled I'm, Paul I'm Walker. Still, but I'm i don't imagine on I, that that's what i'm saying is like i, I don't think they're going to do it but if they, they do shouldn't. it i'm sure that it'll be done right yeah like yeah, I, ryan coogler is not going to let that be a, a, yeah. a, a i don't a think thing. anyone like, involved in that yeah. production is interested in in disrespecting chadwick boseman in any and way. again Another thing, and this is again, this is another uh, again a, a complete st- uh, side stepped, but it, 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 it it's an interesting way of how they handled something. Um, Val Kilmer in Top Gun. Now we know that he's sick in real life, he's obviously still alive, but that was a moment that could have been really, really 
poorly done, like really right. cheap and like cheesy. And they handled it well because I think they wrote that scene well. And I think well, and again, he very, write it. Right. Yeah. I Didn't they say Kilmer? So. I think they said Kilmer kind of wrote right. this, what he wanted his role to be, like what it could be, I think is what right. um, Zinsky might have told us that. And clear and clearly Kilmer's still alive. And, and that but the point I'm making Kilmer. is that like it, it's it's a you know, but Val Kilmer is not in good health. I mean, that, that that's the truth. So how do you handle that? So if they handled that that well in Top Gun, I trust Ryan Coogler to somehow find a way to make have, it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and make and if Chadwick is somehow going to be in the film somehow in spirit or via older footage, I have no question that Ryan will handle it beautifully. Like it'll be like done in a, in a very sure. respectful I way. I will say, I, I, I can't remember it. I don't, I don't find it right now. I, f- they may have taught, I feel like they touched on this a long time ago when they confirmed that Black Panther two was still happening, that they, I think they went through and said, not like how they were going to handle it, but they were like very clear of like, we're not, we're not do... interested in CGI. We're not interested in this. Like they, they, I think they got out ahead of it, Marvel and Coogler and everyone. And they were like, our goal is to handle him, his legacy, this character, its legacy within the story as respectfully as possible. So to answer your question, I think it's, I don't know. I doubt it. I would say, no, they're not going to, but yeah. But how do you I'm, explain it? How do you explain him not being there? Oh, see, that's what I was getting at when I said, I think they're going to open with a funeral. I mean, no, no, no. I'm talking about the scenes in the ancestral. And they might just not um, go there. They might, I was saying, unless they just don't go. Yeah. Like, I think wow. they'll just avoid it. They'll just, avoid the only it. other way that I could see them doing it, would be to have the character in the Black Panther costume, which the father wasn't in the first one. I, I, I don't think that, you can't I, do that. I, no. Yeah. Again, I think we're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. But um, yeah, but this is a great question. This is honestly like one of the most profound questions I've heard asked about profound questions. Well, it's like profound. It. I don't know. Jake over here. Do you ever get that no, in the junket room? The only no, um, the only way I think could be done really nice is it if a character were to go to the ancestral plane they just look at someone off camera and smile and then, and then you cut away. Like, yeah, but don't, the, but don't those, try but those to, scenes like, don't are try done. to create a, don't try to create a conversation. Don't try to create mm. some, like just yeah. honestly looking off camera and smiling tells you everything you need to know. Wow. This is now that's something that I am now going to be thinking about in, for the next few months, I'm, because I'm, I don't, I'm that's the one thing out. I don't think I thought it's going to be Saturday night at like three o'clock in the morning and our gave our phones are going to blow up like guys, seriously this this ancestral plane thing. What what's um, happening? Real no, quick. You're so right. That's such a big part of the first film. Yeah. So Black Panther uh, Wakanda Forever trailer. Amazing. We're all excited for it. Um, and, and, and in Ryan Coogler, we trust. And we right, really, uh, really do. Um, real quickly, I want to touch on one point in the She-Hulk trailer. Uh, we won't spend a ton of time on it. Um, you guys can mention your reactions if you like. I think it looks cute. I think this one looks a lot better than the first trailer, both from like the story that they're going for and like the CGI and stuff. I think everything looks more interesting. I'm a big fan of, um, uh, what are we calling him? Professor Hulk? Smart Hulk? Yeah, Professor Hulk, I think. Yeah, um, the, the, yeah. I, I like that character a lot. I think it's really fun and unique. Um, I'm a big fan because he, you just within different lines, you feel either side of that character bleed through. It's Mark, funny. Mark Ruffalo is brilliant and, and that's all great. The one thing I did want to bring up um, is the fourth wall break. So in the trailer, she breaks the fourth wall. And and after the first Deadpool. trailer, some people had brought up. Uh, not, I don't know if they were criticizing it, but just sort of noting that um, that there was no fourth wall break because in the comics, she she would break the fourth wall and she like beat Deadpool. I was reading she beat Deadpool to it. And it's kind of something her character is known for. Um, but the the director behind the series sort of 
Oily mentioned like there's a lot of surprises. So I'm curious how they're going to make that work from a story standpoint, because for Marvel, they can't just have a character who breaks the fourth wall necessarily and then not address it or not have it make sense for everyone else in the scene. And so uh, to me, I wonder if, if they're going to they're going to do the fourth wall break in this series, but we're going to find out that there's some weird. Twisty thing um, that, that we're not expecting. Maybe they'll make it work. But for me, like just if characters start breaking the fourth wall, you know, like Deadpool's on his own island and and he did his own thing that never bothered me when I was watching Logan, you know, because it's so different. But I it might bother me. Like, like what's going to happen in an Avengers movie when she shows up? When we're when we're from her perspective, is she going to look at the camera? Like, well, yeah, Deadpool, I think you're right. Deadpool Deadpool an explanation. Yeah, but maybe this is the maybe this is the bridge into Deadpool because maybe this is how they're going to work the fourth wall break of Deadpool. Well, they've already done it. They've already done. I mean, they did it in the trailer. Like we know that it's going to happen. So it's no, not, I'm not talking about She-Hulk. I'm talking about like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the, in the MCU movies, we have not had a fourth wall. Break, That's what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. It's the first right. time in the MCU for a fourth. So wall I think, I think maybe they're testing the waters because, and I'm not saying that She-Hulk I don't didn't I don't have it already, Marvel but test but, waters like that. That's a big, no, thing. no, no. My point being is that eventually we're going to have Deadpool in the MCU, right? And Deadpool does but talk to the camera. I, I really, I genuinely do I not think so. I don't I, think it's, well, I don't. Well, let me clarify. Are we going to have it? I'm not, I'm not saying hey. that he shouldn't be. I'm saying it makes no sense. Well, no. It makes perfect sense. Well, let me, can I, can I finish? Can I say, Professor can I say? X shows up in an MCU film, what's the difference between Deadpool showing up? Here's the, well, hey, okay. The, my point is, is he going to be in MCU? Maybe he's in the MCU, but is he in the MCU in Deadpool movies that are R-rated and over here? Here. Yes, they're on Disney Plus right now. Sure. My point is Deadpool is not going to show up next to Spider-Man and yes, talk about will. masturbating or whatever to Tom Holland. I don't think no, that I, that is going to happen. She will go into those. She sexual very well is already dialogue. next to the Hulk and is very could very well end up next to all these other children's characters. Breaking I, the fourth I, wall like Deadpool's definitely going to be in the MCU. I, he's going to guys- be Kevin. Do you, you understand my point? He's going to be in the MCU, I think. And it's MCU and he's going to play with MCU characters like he kind of did with the X-Men stuff. But just like the X-Men, he's not going to be in the X-Men. He's, he's going to be like he's going to be stuff. like MCU adjacent. I think that the fourth wall break in uh, She-Hulk is going to have to have some sort of narrative explanation. I think that the MCU is, is I think it might be too weird for the MCU to have one character who can look at the audience when it gets into a team up movie or what have you. And, and the fact that she's with the Hulk is a big part of that. And I think that's going to answer the question. The directors come out and said that there's a lot of surprises are you expecting the fourth wall break to be explained narratively within the TV show? Like, yeah. or in, in the same way that, um, what was it? Five, six months ago, we were wondering why Oscar Isaac had such a weird British accent for right. Moon Knight. Um, I think it's going to fall under the umbrella of just classic Marvel misdirection and not actually be fourth wall breaking, but instead. Why would be, you misdirect an audience about fourth wall breaking? Because it's famous what's, for She-Hulk. What's yeah. the beneficial? No, what's the benefit of 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 of, um, of uh, misdirecting an audience about that? Well, it could be it could be anything. Like, that's kind of why I'm asking the question. Is like I I think you get to have your cake and eat it too yeah. because because if if She-Hulk is in fact famous for breaking the fourth wall, but Marvel's behind the eight ball and that they can't actually introduce fourth wall breaking Deadpool. fifteen years into a universe. Then, then, then that way audiences sort of get the fourth wall breaking, but not actually get the fourth wall breaking. 
Right. Like, I wonder if it's going to be again, this it's is not going to be flea bag, but this is like the multiverse thing. Like, like, is it going to be some sort of weird thing where like she's looking into some multi like I, they could do something weird with it. I expect that the fourth wall is going to have more than just she's a character that does it. Like, is my point. I, I think she's going to have some interesting thing that maybe we we don't expect. And I think the way that they've talked about it in the press and sort of tease that there's more interesting things around that. Um, anyway, that kind of wraps up our Comic-Con talk. Um, and we'll get right into this week in movies, a fun one for this week in movies. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once is getting a re-release. I finally saw it. I love it. It is great. The re-release comes with um, eight extra minutes and an intro from the Daniels. But the question I want to ask you guys while we're here um, is this sort of uh, this movie is in a bit of a predicament. It's a good problem to have where you come out in the spring and you're the surprise hit. You're the indie darling. They're the, you know, the top gun of the sort of... Uh, art house uh, uh theaters at the moment but um award season is a long ways away when you release yourself in spring and so you've got to maintain some sort of momentum because as we know um it's not really about who's the best it's about um who has that momentum so how much right. of this do you see as you know that campaign them really trying to stretch this through you know tiff is in a couple less than a couple months which is kind of like the beginning of the award season for a lot of folks um how much of that do you think is influenced by them trying to get this through the end of the year in the zeitgeist? I think Michelle yeah, deserves, I think Leo, right now, yeah. Michelle Yeoh deserves the best actor, best actress uh, yeah. award right now um, out of anybody that I've seen. Um, my answer to your question I think is who that, else I would put in the actress category. But yeah, she feels like the standout. Yeah. Incredible. Do you think yeah, it gets... You imagine if she won the Oscar for that, that'd be incredible. She should win the Oscar for it. Yeah. Do you it's think like one it's, of the most um, incredible performances I've ever seen. Well, let's talk the let's talk the Oscar. Let's just say it has. I do think it's, it's too early for a re-release. To answer your question, is it too early, or is this just a good time for them to fit in before? I mean, okay, depends on what their intentions are. Are their intentions to make money, or their intentions to ramp up Oscar buzz? Oscar I'll buzz. Tell, I'll tell you exactly what me, it is. It doesn't get ramped up in July. If they were going to do that, they should have done it in January when I'll people exactly the, when the ballots actually go out. So if you look at, uh, I'll tell you exactly why they're doing right now, everything, everywhere, all at once. Actually, they just, never mind. Talking about they were at, yeah, they were at 95 million when I last looked. Now they're at 107. So I thought, I thought they were going to be doing it just to pass a hundred million. But they already yeah. Passed. No, I think, I, I think to your point, Jake, I don't think this is going to be the last time maybe re-release is, is wrong for that, but I don't think this is going to be the last time we see them pushing this movie through the end of the year. This sure. might just, what, for whatever reason, made the most, most sense for them. Um, and maybe to your point. But then, but then what early, other, but, I mean, other than a traditional campaign, I mean, it's already available on VOD. It's, you know, it's getting its, you know, it's shot at a, at a re-release, like come, come January. Well, let me when, ask more when, directly then. What are, what are its chances? Do you think it's going to maintain it? Do you think it's going to be in the conversation? Or do you think I that there's think a chance it falls off after, t- if after I, everything if comes out? I think it gets a picture nomination. Okay. I think Michelle gets an actress nomination. It has to get an original I don't, screenplay, I don't know. right? Yeah, I, I don't know how it doesn't get screenplay. I don't know how it doesn't get editing. I think, and it's also the kind of movie that I think Oscar voters think makes it look cool if they nominate it i i think i think it's a good look for the academy to nominate a movie like this the 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 tell in terms of how seriously they take it um as a contender i think will be whether or not the daniels get a director nomination 
I think yeah. that is that is the I mean, because there, there is a giant difference between one of being one of the 10 best picture nominees and being mm-hmm. one of the five best director nominees. That's tough. And, that and we've tough. got a now granted, we did just learn moments ago as of this recording that one of the big director contenders for this year is not uh, Martin Scorsese's yeah. uh, Killers of the Flower Moon moved to next year. So that's one less name that Daniels have to worry about. Um, but, you know, it's always it's never, you know, look, we're in July right now and all of us are looking at, you know, movies like The Fablemans. And, and just say, we're barely you know, in July right yeah, now. It's, so it's always the movies that we haven't heard about yet. Like, yeah. you know, at, 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 in July, I'm pretty sure in July of 2021, none of us were having conversations about Coda. None of us were having conversations about, uh, you know, Power of the Dog. Uh, you know, those, Coda, those, no, Coda, those was came, a, Coda was a spring. Coda, Coda was August. Was it really? I thought yeah. that I thought we mm. talked about I did, that. I really did the early. junket. I did the yeah, junket we, from Florida. We weren't having conversations that it was going to win Best Picture. Yeah, it was just like oh, we just thought it was. It was early in the year. Uh, I'm sorry, Gabe. It was early in the year because it was uh, a Sundance film. Oh, okay, so that's but, what, so I, Sean I, saw it at Sundance and he yes, was. But, but in terms of, I think when it hit Apple and we when yeah, we did yeah, the yeah. junket, which I know junket is a selfish marker to to use for the movie, but that's makes sense. Uh, Kevin, you were going to say something. Did you have a, a thought about about it at the Oscars before we move on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think right now, I think Michelle deserves Best Actress. Yeah, it's the best yeah. performance I've seen from anybody this year. So, um, I'm all go in. check I mean, right, it out I if mean, you have not. Go check it out again. Nope was my number. No, uh, everything was my number one. Now Nope is so. Yeah, just two original two. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go see everything everywhere all at once if you can. Um, Resurrection, a limited release. Uh, hitting theaters um dc league of super pets has anybody seen dc league of super pets another two-hander yeah. from the rock and um kevin hart yeah. in a way i saw it yeah I saw How it. Is um it? looks cute I looks look, fun i i thought that's that's exactly it i thought mm-hmm. it was very cute it was very fun mm-hmm. look it's it is a movie that looks at the world of the justice league through the eyes of dogs like i i feel like most people who listen to this podcast can at least watch that for an hour 40 minutes and on the other side of it go yeah, it was really cute. Um, a lot of very self-referential Justice League DC humor. Um, even you know, the, I, even the like uh, controversial or just uh, you know, like referencing the. No, because my next question to you was going to be, are you disappointed that it's not in the Snyderverse like everybody? I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> I, I picture all the characters into the Snyderverse have dogs. Again, yeah. Sean, there's, Sean a, yeah, there's a there's what, a quick what, joke where uh, Batman, who's played by, by Keanu Reeves, is you know, says, oh, you know, you know, Batman's on his own, except for Robin and uh, and, you know, Commissioner Gordon and the IT team. And the camera keeps sweeping around. And every time it sweeps back to Batman, he's listing two or three other people who Batman helps him with. And on the last swoop around, the last thing you hear him say, and whoever Morgan Freeman played like just it's like kind of sort of rough, you know, very self referential. Sounds like, like Deadpool. <laughs> Honestly, the, 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 it, it was to me the degree of humor not as good or as sharp as witty or as deep but almost like a lego movie where it's like it's very aware of of the universe that it's kind of making fun of in a way it's yeah. very cute it's cute i like it i i'm interested in this one it looks fun like I, yeah. i'll need it'll need to hit me at the right time the right weekend or yeah, whatever, I mean, that, but. yeah. It's, it's a thing. Look, I, I always look it and, and kid movies in particular. I'm a 34 year old man who doesn't have kids. I always look through it the prism of a 34 year old man. But I also try to think of it in the terms of like if I had kids or I had like little nieces or nephews and I brought them to go see this, how torturous would it be for me to sit there for 100 minutes? And I would very much enjoy myself if I were a parent watching this. Like my dad would have loved to take me to see that as a kid. 
All right. Kevin, you haven't seen this one yet, right? I have not. No. What did you think of Vengeance, which is opening wide this week? So this is directed by BJ Novak, um, who I guess, I mean, from a director standpoint, the office fan or fame. Yeah, he, he did five episodes of The Office, right, Jake? I think he directed five episodes of the show. I think um, he well, he wrote a ton. Wrote a ton he wrote a ton of like, like, like from season one on. Like he, he was on the show of The Office. Yeah, he was right. No, I know he was Ryan, but I'm saying, yeah. I mean, but directing wise, I think he only did five. I could be wrong. Yeah. A lot, most of them right. got a sh- got a shot at directing, but but yeah. I mean, he he mostly came on as writer slash Ryan, right? And so, Vengeance is um, kind of meta aspect of our, our podcast is it's about a podcast. Um, but right. essentially, what happens is at the beginning of the film, we meet BJ's character and he's talking with John Mayer. Right. I guess John Mayer is playing himself in the scene. Interesting. Jake, if I'm if I'm wrong on that. Yes, he played um, himself. Which like that was never made clear to me. Clear. It wasn't yeah. until I saw something on uh, Instagram today where they said something about the movie where like, oh yeah, John Mayer plays himself. And I was like, I honestly didn't get that. Like, oh, I saw an interview with BJ BJ Novak where he said like something about his character hanging out with John Mayer in New York. And I was like, oh, I really just thought it was John yeah. Mayer playing his friend. It was never made Same. clear to me that it was supposed to be BJ's character hanging out with John Mayer. Same, same. So uh, film opens up and it's just these two guys like talking about all the the different women that they're that they have in their lives and like uh, using dating apps and dating six or seven different women at one time and just completely oblivious to the people that they're that they're meeting up with. There's just more of like a sexual thing. Um, And one of the women that BJ Novak's character met on an app um ends up uh dead um in 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 texas uh, and so uh but bj hadn't really kind of kept in the character hadn't kept in touch with her they kind of just hooked up or whatever from what i can gather from the story um but he gets a call randomly from her family because they all thought that him and her were actually a lot more serious than bj thought they were um, like she had photos of him on her wall, um, you know, and, you know, we learn we learn later on why that was the case. But he goes to Texas because they ask him to come there to go to the funeral. And while he's there, he learns or thinks he learns that there may be a murder mystery here, that she may have been murdered because they, the 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 official statement is that she died of an overdose. Um, but her brother, Boyd Holbrook's character, believes that there was a murder. So BJ decides to start a podcast. Um, about her story and the investigative aspect into her murder, quote unquote murder. Um, and it's interesting. It's a, it's a, it's thematically a really fascinating movie just about taking chances and doing things you might not want to do. And then realizing what you, the world you might find yourself in or the people you might meet along the way. Um, and it is, you know, I would argue a commentary on getting off of our phones and, and, and the dangers of these apps and, the how minuscule these interactions end up being with these people. Um, and it's a really interesting dive into that. And I, uh, I want to shout out Phineas O'Connell, who scored the film, uh, who's Billie Eilish's brother. Um, she uh, obviously he won an Academy. Award no relation Billie. to our Sean O'Connell. Right. No, no. But uh, are but, we sure? True. Yeah. I've never asked directly, yeah. but I assume he would have brought it up. <laughs> you know but what Phineas, they say when you assume, Gabe? Makes an Phineas ass out won, of you. <laughs> Phineas won the Oscar for No Time to Die. Obviously, him and Billy won the Oscar for that. Um, this is his first score, though, and it's really cool. great. It's a great score, and he's a really brilliant does it, musician. Does it feel like like music, or does it feel like score? Score. Yeah? It's a composition. Nice. It's definitely a score, nice. um, for sure. It's definitely not like... Because Phineas is a brilliant writer, and he's a sure. really, really amazing producer, but he actually did a score for the film. 
Um, Kevin, I've, I've got to interject. You are sleeping on the most important part of Vengeance. I haven't finished yet, but, but go ahead. Oh, just that it is a love letter to Whataburger. Okay. Oh, is it really? It is. It is a oh. love letter because it's always there. Yeah, should, Kevin it's was a, saving that for last because he really wanted that. <laughs> he really wanted that. That's focus. why he was going to just give it a terrible review. He He's to like, focus like, everything about this movie's great, yeah. but the Waterburger thing really ruined it for me. The Waterburger thing was funny, um, for sure. But Kevin, uh, to I, wrap up your point, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I just wanted to say, like, I, I think the film is a solid directorial debut. I don't right. necessarily love the ending um and i won't go into too much detail i just don't believe based on what i watched that characters would make decisions like they did at the end i think jake agrees with me on that um but in terms of the filmmaking it's really beautifully shot and it's a great story and it has a lot of great thematics that will definitely stay with you and lines that are really fascinating um but also like we judge people all the time in our lives and then when you get someone behind closed doors and really start to meet them and understand who they are, there's so many great scenes in this film where you like you as an audience member pass judgment on a character as BJ's character does. And then they get in a room and it's like, oh, that's the real individual. It, it was kind of those moments were really, uh, really cool. Um, I also thought Ashton Kutcher gave a great performance. It's probably one of the best performances of his. Like, I didn't even realize he was I, in it until you mentioned that. So great in it. Like, like, like there's Kutcher a. Fan. There's a really, really interesting way he delivers his dialogue um, that I thought it was a, it's a really good performance. Um, very interesting character, a character that I probably would want to know more about, to be honest with you. Cool. I feel like I would like dive deeper into him. But it's a really solid directorial debut. And I thought BJ did a really good job with it. I think it, uh, at times it was a little too much on him. Um, like I felt like, you know, as a director, you got to know when to keep yourself off camera and on camera. There was just moments where it felt a little bit like me 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 a little too much but um, did you, did you give it a star rating yet um probably like in the three and a half or four range out of five that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah yeah jake, and then there was a water burger thing whole thing which brought you down half a star yeah yeah there you go. <laughs> jake uh, uh where are you at on Vengeance? yeah I, I i really loved it biased in the sense that so much aside from being a love letter to water burger it's a it's a love letter to small town texas which texas. is very much the kind of town that i grew up in like i i know went to clap at deep in the heart of Texas, which is a part I know, I know, you know, I know, I know what bless your heart really means. I know what yeah. Whataburger tastes like, you know, so much, there's so much like little fun Easter eggs about small Texas towns, but it still really works. Love. Even it's if you are very there. much so, yeah. very much so yeah. um, because he, BJ's character Ben is kind of the audience who's not from Texas. Um, mm -hmm. I just in, in, in the minority and that I'm more related to like the family that that's there. That being said, it, I, another point that I thought was really interesting that the, the movie makes is kind of how, you know, with with our culture's recent within the last 10 years obsession with like true crime documentaries and true crime podcast and just the whole concept of true crime, how borderline and just not to get too political, but just in terms of um, conspiracy theories and stuff that like we can't just let something be. Something, right, you know, right. it's always got to be, you know, like it, someone can't just die. They, it has to be a like, you know, because we were so ingrained in this world of true crime and we're so convinced that everything's a conspiracy and everything's got like a deeper motive to it. It has to be eight episodes to tell the full story that like everyone, no one's convinced that like their story is boring, that their story is is the one that's that's not special. You know, everyone I saw a meme one time that said, um, 
you know, one one day I'm going to die and it's not going to be an eight episode Netflix documentary. And it's just kind of like that's kind of what this mentality of this this is. And that's what that's what his podcast is, is this small town that can't accept that, like, maybe someone just died and maybe it's not special and maybe it's just a death. It sounds terrible, but like just a death, you know, um, it's, it's it says a lot. And, and I think BJ's a really strong writer. Um, he, he told me during the junket that, and it makes sense that like the person he's learned most from is working with Quentin on Inglorious Bastards. Um, and, and when you look at someone who very much knows how to balance director, writer duties at the same time. Um, so I thought it was really great. I, I could, the the degree I've, I laughed at the Whataburger stuff was just (laughs) because I just, I so wish the four of us could have been in that theater together. Um, it's just, it's, it's just brilliant. Yeah. yeah and Jake, so you're, great. J- Jake, you're with me. And again, we're going to keep this vague. Yes. Sure. My only real big problem, and I can't shake this. That's yeah. probably why I didn't go a little higher with my rating is I don't believe the arcs were earned. The, the, there are character characters. actions in the final act okay. that seems so out of character. I thought it was a dream scene. Same. I thought it was like a fantasy where mm. I thought, OK, we're going to cut back to reality. And then I remember pausing going, oh, you it, you're really it, telling me that that yeah. character did that thing. I will. I will cut you off there. Yes, I'll stop there. Too yes, many yes, 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 yes. If, if that's not a selling point, I don't know yeah. what but is. now I want to I was gonna say now I want to find out what <laughs> yeah. the hell they do. Right. Um, yeah. So vengeance in wide release. Um, it sounds like you guys recommend it. Jake, did you give it a I'd give it a, a four, four, four out of five. That's a yeah. great rating. Yeah. Great. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. That brings us to this week's blend game, uh, which I will remind um, is attached to a giveaway. So if you're hearing this early enough, um, one o'clock Eastern uh, on Friday of this episode dropping, use hashtag mystery blend for a chance uh, to get a 
movie pack from the lovely folks at Movies Anywhere. Um, Mystery blend is kind of vague. We're kind of centraling it on or putting it around like a films with central sort of mystery, uh, the, that sort of plot that's pushing it forward. It doesn't necessarily need to be a dark, suspenseful murder mystery or or what have you. Um, so a lot of options there. And with that, Jake, what is your pick? Um, well, since it doesn't have to be a dark, suspenseful murder mystery, I'm going to go with a uh, really feel good, family friendly mystery. And I'm going to pick seven. Which uh, ah, I've yeah, yeah. I, I, a little misdirection there. Get grandma together. Um, and... Yeah, yeah. Get get the whole family together. Like find out as a family yeah. what's yeah. in the box. What's in the mm-hmm. box? Um, you know, just like Christmas. It's, like Christmas what is in the box. Well, That's the tagline. Yeah, right. yeah. Grandma, like, what is in the box? With the family, you should rewatch the lust scene like three or four times yes. just yeah. to get that one. Yeah, well, they actually, know, there's just... a cut on the DVD that just replays the scene. You have to go back and rewind. Right. That's the family cut. The family cut. Yeah, the family. they actually show you the murders. Yeah, I. I've spoken extensively about this movie, so I won't go too far into it other than to say it's just such a brilliantly tight film, not a wasted scene. The really this sounds like weird to put these two words together, but the cold chemistry between Morgan Freeman's character and Brad Pitt's character, I think, is just absolutely phenomenal. I'm really bummed that we haven't seen them back together in anything that like they haven't found a way to be back in the same movie again, because I think the two of them together are just absolutely phenomenal. I love the nondescript generic locale, like this idea that it is this rainy, nameless city. You never find out what city, even when they're leaving the city, it just says city limit. It never says what it's just right. this because this idea that it could be anywhere, but it also now, it if doesn't the make Russo sense. brothers had directed that movie, they would have said, this is the city. Here's where you're at. Yeah. I do like that too. I like that too, actually. Um, but, but like, I love that. Like they drive out of this rainy city and all they have to do is drive for like 20 minutes and they're in the desert. Like it's, I love yeah, that the cool. geography throws you off and makes no sense. I and, love and that's part of that's part of Fincher's uh, sure. sort of masterstroke. Yes. what he does. You're always a little on. You're a little on yeah. edge. He always keeps exactly. you on edge. Yeah. Um, I love that. You know, look to separate the film and the role from the actor. I love uh, the real the reveal of Kevin Spacey. I sure. love yeah. his monologue at the end. And 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 to wrap up, it's funny to to tie back to vengeance. Characters make drastic choices at the end of seven. Um, that and makes sense, though. The, the, but like by the end of the movie, you just go, yeah, I get I get every single one right. of those decisions. And it has um, what is probably my favorite final line in a movie, which is um, Ernest Hemingway once wrote the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. And then it cuts to black. I always and thought the final is, line was why was uh, six afraid of seven? Oh mm. my god! Seven, eight, nine. I, seven, eight, nine. I always thought that's how uh, they ended that movie, and, 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 and then it's just Morgan Freeman going. Oh, you know what? I, maybe I've only seen the family cut. I think that's how they end the family cut. <laughs> the whole the time, keeps going. Shit. What the hell are you doing, Gavin Spacey? Uh, that's a fantastic pick, and I think one a lot of folks at home are going to pick. Uh, Kevin, where where'd you end up for Mystery Blend? I went with uh, Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island. Ooh, um, great, great! I need to I rewatch saw a poster this movie. for that the other day. A fan poster that was like the top of. Um, it, it was it was DiCaprio's head, and the top of his head was removed, and the top of his head was the island. Yeah. It was just I was like, oh my god, yeah, I need yeah. that poster. I'm sorry, I interrupt, is, but like, I, such I, a Kevin, I want you to go. That's funny that you mentioned this. For like months now, that movie keeps popping up. 
whether it's, yeah. I see it randomly or I think of it randomly, I, I've been dying to rewatch it. Yeah. I haven't made time. Cool. Now you got me in the mood to rewatch it. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, I'm, it sorry. De- I'm sorry. No, Dennis Lehane, though. And like also, and I, maybe I'm wrong on this. And like someone could let me know. I don't think he has a score in that movie. I think it's all just classic pieces of music. You're right. Um, but it, it, that, that, was, that was an interesting choice. Um, Shadow Island for me was one of my favorite mystery experiences ever, because when I saw Shadow Island the first time, I did not read the book. So I did not know the twist. The twist in that film is so Which we'll we'll save for folks that maybe haven't right. seen because it, it is a really great twist. If someone hasn't the seen twist it. is mind blowing. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess I'll have to dance around this because the reason why I chose this is because of the twist. But I'll I'll I'll, I'll keep it vague. You can go as so, far as that. Yeah. Basically, Shutter Island is a mystery in itself. Right. So uh, what's presented to you in the film is that DiCaprio and Ruffalo are on a boat headed to the island. They're trying to solve some type of mystery, correct? We can keep it in that vague department. Um, But on the second viewing, once you find out what's really going on, that film plays completely differently. Um, So what I loved about it was the mystery of the first viewing, not knowing what was really going on. And then the second viewing is a mystery in itself, because as you watch the film, knowing the twist, pay attention to all the people who are in the scenes. So, it's hard to talk. Not to talk I think you're saying um, as far as you, I think that's far enough as saying like, that it changes when you see it, I think is part of the, yeah, and I, yeah. but I think one of the things that's important to note about the shutter Island twist is that what it does is it changes every single scene in the film. Not a single scene is, is the same. Once you know what's happening, right. there's a scene where we're sitting at a table with Ruffalo and DiCaprio that I think is one of the greatest scenes in the whole film on the second view. Watch Ruffalo's face in that moment as they're like talking to people and they're interviewing people. Um, it's honestly, uh, it's one of Scorsese's best executed films, just in terms of just sheer, incredible immersion into this character and kind of what he's going through. And so to me, the mystery of the first viewing was awesome, but then I got to become part of the mystery on the second right. viewing, which made it even more crazy. So I love that film. And I still think that DiCaprio in the water with his kids and the way he cries in that scene. I, I have never seen anybody go. Th- like it just, I've never seen it. He does great work in water. As it's we know, brutal. <laughs> it's such a brutal performance, man. I'd like to add another thing that Scorsese does with that movie that is brilliant is in the same way that we talk about this with the father a few years back is that Scorsese makes you think you're going crazy. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I saw it because I did the junket in New York and there were moments where I thought, is Scorsese getting sloppy? Like that, <laughs> that glass was full in the last shot and or like right. that, that like that pair of scissors was in his right hand. Now is in his left. Like, is he is Scorsese losing it? And it's really it, that's it's not it's purposeful. He All is convinces you as an audience member that you're seeing things that you're not seeing or like you question what you saw that like to me, that's even more impressive is that like it's not even like fun, hidden things in the frame. He makes you as an audience member think I'm losing my freaking mind. Like what what is happening? And I think that is beyond right. like Dude. that's beyond filmmaking. That's that and is cinematic yeah. manipulation in the best way. And your journey with that film is so fascinating mm-hmm. because it is it, it is like the first time you watch it, you are DiCaprio trying to figure out the murder. But the beauty of that, again, being vague, is that the twist is that. Sort of, yes. We're, that, yes. That, We're dangerous. Yeah. So you guys are keep every word. You guys get dangerous. You're like, what if I explain that's, a little bit more? That's a I'll hard tell you one. That's a great pick. About. 
I was going to watch my Prey screener tonight, but now maybe I just want to watch. Dude, Prey is awesome. It's not Shutter Island, though. You can talk about Prey, right? Yeah, we can talk about Prey. August 5th. I've heard it's great. Um, My pick, and I got to cheat because my pick is in the pack that people can win. Wait, can I predict it? I think I know what it is. It's Bob's Burgers, isn't it? (laughs) I still haven't seen Bob's Burgers. No, it's not Bob's Burgers. Um... It's the nice guys. It's the nice guys. This is oh, such a. I, broad... I thought your pick was going to be Knives Out. I really did. Oh, you meant Get Out? Oh, you thought my pick was going to be Knives Out? Yes. Oh, okay. Nice. Until you told us yeah, it was until, in the yeah. pack. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, it would have been up there. I picked that recently is maybe why I'm avoiding it. Uh, there's a million movies I could pick in this. People have heard me discuss how you know these these change every day when we're talking favorites. Um, but I love the nice guys. I'm I'm still putting this place together with a poster over here. It's supposed to be on the wall. It's not. It fell off, and now I got to put it the back cast up. right. Yes, yes. This artist did this awesome piece of that. I love the nice guys. I think it's central mystery is really brilliant. I think that Shane Black has fun with that genre, um, and his cast is amazing. Um, and the tone of it, I find extremely unique. Where you can have this. When I rewatch it, I typically give it enough time where I don't totally remember all the mechanics of the mystery. I don't totally remember what's revealed and how it ends up, um, because it is better whenever you kind of don't know what's what's going on. Um, and the fact that he can give you this sort of, this, this central mystery that keeps you guessing and is intriguing and it is it at times feels like tangibly dangerous with these kind of like slapsticky characters, um, I find brilliant and is a unique tone that I I don't really see in a lot of films and is why I love it is it's tone alone. Um, and people have heard me recommend the nice guys before. If you, for some reason have not seen it, it's a absolute must see one of gosling's best um he's really great in it he's really great in it but i will um that's all i'll say on the nice guys because i want to give time for sean's pick uh sean could not be here because he's on vacation but from what i'm told he's gonna send me his pick um so without further ado take it away sean hello my wonderful blenders i had to drop off the grid after san diego comic-con uh and escape for a little while but i was not going to leave you guys without sending in my blend game pick we are playing mystery blend uh and it's cliched and there are a thousand different things you could choose but i have to go with uh brian singer and christopher mccrory's ending to the usual suspects one of the greatest reveals uh of all time if not the greatest the entire time you're putting the entire uh, film together, you are trying to figure out who is Kaiser Soze. Clues pointing in every single direction. The reveal of who it actually is and how Chaz Palminteri puts it all together is just a chef's kiss of storytelling. Uh, every part is played perfectly, sending you in a million different directions. It's a type of movie that you can go back and revisit multiple times. Uh, learn more things about how Kevin Spacey in that part uh, is putting the mystery together and playing off of Chaz Palminteri and all the things that are in his background. Even all the guys who are part of The Usual Suspects and the way that they tip their hand to maybe them potentially being Kaiser Soze as part of the mystery. Uh, it's a detective story without really telling you that it's a detective story. Just putting together this sort of criminal history uh, that's masterfully told. At the time, we didn't know how good Christopher McCrory was as a screenwriter. And of course, he goes on to become an incredible director. Uh, in not only Reacher and The Way of the Gun, but the Mission Impossible films that he's doing right now. Uh, I really want him to get back to doing some original screenplay, maybe trade off the way Ryan Johnson does between franchise films and then writing his own original stuff, because I think he's that good of a storyteller. Uh, But if we're playing Mystery Blend, knowing that you could go a million different directions, I'm going to go with The Usual Suspects. So I hope you had fun with the boys this week. I'll be back next week, and we'll talk to you guys soon. 
All right. Thank you, Sean, for writing in. I still don't know what Sean's pick is, but I bet it was a good one. Um, or he never sent it to me, and <laughs> you've just seen this. I sound That's insane. That's the mystery. I sound insane. Um, thank you, everyone, who played along. Again, if you're listening to this early enough, you can still um, use hashtag mystery blend on YouTube, on Twitter. Email us in uh, before I get the before I pick the winners um, of our five packs. Um, and stay tuned, because I think we're going to do another giveaway so there's going to be more opportunities but for next week our blend game is going to be sandra bullock blend boys can you believe Ooh. we've never played sandra bullock blend? Oh. it was just her birthday yesterday just her I birthday i have mine birthday. immediately good tune in for next week yeah also write in with that also write in with your sandra bullock blend picks um and we'll read them out on the show next week john should be back all three of us should be back it'll be a full cast of characters i believe um in the meantime you can sign up for Roblin premium we got a That's mailbag a coming your one. way on Monday morning. Uh, you can follow Jake at Jake's Takes, Kevin at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell. I'm at Gabe Kovach. The show is at Real Blend. Um, and until next time, hockey pads and Deadpool. Deadpool. Not killers of the flower moon. Killed the flower moon. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.